have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. It's amazing how far water will travel once it enters someplace on the roof. It, it, it's always surprised me. It's rare that you find a leak exactly where a hole may be or where there's a bad shingle, for example. So my, my guess is if you continue to fight this and you know your basement is dry, uh, that you've got a, a, a problem elsewhere. It's either from a plumbing line or it's coming from that roof. And since you know you have some roof problems, I'd venture to say when you re-roof that house, you're going to find the source and you're going to eliminate this. Do you have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another hour of Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor, and he's here weekends at this time to deal with the issues that are important to today's homeowner. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or forward your emails to KenTheContractor.com. couple of questions to make you think about safety in your home. First, are you handling and storing combustible materials properly? Now you've got your mind spinning a little bit. Are you unknowingly creating a fire hazard? Some of you may have been through some fires, so you may be more cognizant of fire hazards than others. And also, are you handling products such as gas cans and various other items in a manner that you should? In the workplace, most all of us have been trained in handling not only hazardous materials, but items that have the ability to be spilt, turned over, that could require some special consideration in cleaning up. But frequently what happens is when we leave the workplace, we leave all that behind us. We go home and we put all the safety issues completely out of our mind. And for almost all of us, unless you live in a high-rise apartment building, you cut no grass, you have no outdoor equipment of any kind, you have no boat at the marina or any place else, almost all of us are dealing with gas cans from time to time. One of the biggest safety hazards that we have around our homes and our shop and our garages are gas cans. And when we look at where we've come, as a builder, I have to tell you, many, many years ago, there was no consideration for safety when it came to dealing with gasoline, with diesel on job sites, any type of flammable item. But as a result of OSHA back in the 70s and many other states picking up and developing their own safety programs, that the construction industry has become extremely safe in this regard. And I'm, I'm pleased to be a part of that. I'm pleased that I've been trained on that, and so many people around the nation have. But when it comes to our homes... I want to encourage you to think a little bit about the gas cans that you have, where you store the materials. Are you storing gas in a utility room with a heater? Are you storing them in an enclosed space? Do you have it in a closet? I've run into people that just put a gas can with gas in it inside a closet somewhere saying, that's my utility closet, and it's part of my house. Folks, it's the wrong thing to do. You're asking for an explosion somewhere. You're asking to create big problems. First, I want you to look at those 45-year-old gas cans that some of you are using out there that probably have pinholes in the bottom of them, and think about purchasing some of the safety cans that are in the marketplace today. Now, when it comes to commercial cans, they get pretty pricey. We're paying 100 bucks a piece or more for some of these on five-gallon cans. But, again, they're designed for commercial use. They're heavy gauge, special spouts and all that are no spill. They're designed to be turned over, dropped upside down, and not leak. But I'm not encouraging you to go out and spend that kind of money on these. You need to look at some of the residential cans that are available that still make it easy to fill those appliances, I mean, those devices from a chainsaw to your generator, maybe for those of you that just have to carry a one-gallon gas can or keep it around and it's empty most of the time in case you run out of gas in your car in the wintertime or so forth, but use one that happens to be safe. Now, there are a lot of brands available today 
Honda's producing their own no spill. Uh, Tough Tuck Jug is another one. No spill is a particular brand. They produce their own. Uh, Stens, Briggs and Stratton, I can go on and on. There are a lot of brands, a lot of companies are on this bandwagon of producing a no spill, easy to use residential gas can. You're still going to spend 25 to $35 for some of these. A few may drop down into a $15 range, but you'll find that you're much safer with them. The other thing you'll find that they're tamper proof. And I will tell you that I've done enough reading. Some of the blogs and feedback from those of you out there in the marketplace that have bought a few of these, you don't like the tamper-proof uh, containers. It's just like the child-proof uh, medicinal containers that we have. We don't like them, but they're there for a reason. So I encourage you to take a look at how you're storing the fuel. And it's not just how you're storing it, but where you're storing it. You need to be sure it's well away from flame, from spark. When you build fumes up inside a room and you go to turn a switch on, unless it's explosion-proof, there's a little arc that's inside most of those switches. All you need are enough fumes in an area to have an explosion. Think about it. Well, I had to use one recently, as I told you, uh, and it was a tremendous amount of frustration uh, because it didn't seem like the can was designed for the use of putting fuel into a vehicle. As you may or may not know now, most of the gas tanks are kind of recessed down into the vehicle. And uh, that's so they, they work with most of the gas pumps that you have now. And, again, trying to not spill gasoline, which I think is a wonderful, wonderful thing. The only problem is if you try to use some of these new products, the ability to pour gas into the tank can become very tedious. Uh, you end up doing exactly what these cans are supposed to prevent, and that is spilling a lot of gas and, in my particular case, saying some bad words. So we're going to read about this on Jim's blog. I can tell you I've read several of your comments out there about these. It is It, it was just very frustrating. So just research thoroughly before you go out and get these. Whatever you're going to use these cans for, make sure you can actually get the gas from the can into whether it's a lawnmower, a chainsaw, or a vehicle, and do it without dumping most of it on the ground. And that really is the key, is that you're buying a can. You need to think of it not as a generic gas can anymore. It needs to be designed for a specific purpose. So if you are in a business where you're filling cars, you're running around with a tow service, you're going to be using commercial equipment anyway. But they have spouts on those cans, especially the commercial ones and the residential ones, that are designed for filling your car, and that may not be what you were using. Others have smaller spouts for filling devices such as a chainsaw, very, very small uh, gas tank. The biggest change I've seen in looking at some of these in the past week or so, so that I don't have to deal with this again, is they've almost eliminated all the vents. There no so when you finally get that gas coming out, it can take you a week and a half to, to dump the gas out. Depends on the can. Some of these, and that's a good point for people to pay attention to. Some they're almost all non-vented, but you need to allow air to come in for the gas to flow out at a reasonable pace. So when you're purchasing one, be sure that the fill side of this, the spout itself, some of them are controlled by a push button, others have a lever on them. But when you're buying one, be sure that it is one that allows venting so that air can come in to help the gasoline flow out. Otherwise, as you said, Jim, you'll be standing there from sunrise to sundown. Well, and the, the other big one now, and I'm always amazed when I see this, and it is so common now, and you're talking about handling combustible materials, and that is where people will put their extra propane tanks for their grill. A lot of times their grill is on their deck. So where do they put it? I don't want to put it in the sun, so I'm going to put it right here up against the house to keep it, you know, to keep it in the shade. I'm going, holy mackerel, you don't want to do that. 
and you don't keep these locked in there. These propane tanks can be opened by almost anybody to create a vent situation in some cases. Some have safety devices that prevent that, but you need to be aware of flammable items. One other item quickly you need to pay attention to are things we use around our house that can spontaneously combust. Linseed oil has been in the news lately, ABC, NBC, and others, and we've seen numerous fires. One of the largest high-rise fires in Philadelphia was in the 90s, was caused by rags doused with linseed oil that spontaneously ignited. And that's because linseed oil and other natural oils for all of us going green are products that oxidize. They don't evaporate. So as they oxidize, they're creating heat. And if you've got them in a big bundle piled up somewhere, folks, they're going to generate enough heat. And over time, it may take two, three hours or more, but they will ignite if the humidity is low enough and the temperature is low enough. So just one more area to be safe with. This is a topic for a whole segment one day in the future. Coming up on this edition of Ken the Contractor, about a half hour from now, Ken's got a really neat website for you if you're looking for appliance parts. And also, coming up on Universal Living, we'll talk about those ramps that are very easy to install and make your life a little easier. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. You can always reach him at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or forward your email questions to our website. That's KenTheContractor.com. We're going to go to the phones right now. And uh, joining us from Harrisonburg, Virginia, is Susan. She's up next. Hi, Susan. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Go right ahead. Hi. Thank you for taking my question. Hi, Susan. Hi. Um, Yes, we've had carpet on our floor ever since we built 21 years ago. You got your money's worth out of it if you've had the carpet down for 20 years. Uh, Yes. Two kids, two dogs, a cat, and us. Oh, that Um, carpet's seen a lot of history. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. It needs to go. Okay. My question is, would you recommend putting carpet down again or hardwood, which my mother and my sister-in-law have, or laminate, which my mother-in-law has? Well, let's talk a little bit about the three different products. It sounds like if it's been down 20 years, your children are probably grown and gone or getting close to that. Is is that a safe statement? or? Yes. Okay, so the house, you have a little less traffic today than you have for a 20-year period. Now, when you look at carpet fibers and the way they're made today, you probably have several more varieties to choose from than you did even 20 years ago when this was put down in terms of performance and the ability for it to resist stains if you you keep pets in the house and so forth, and kids or grandkids that may come back, those items. So I think when you look at the, the three products, and I want to talk about the other two and sort of put them in the same category, and let's put carpet separate from a solid surface floor like the laminate or the hardwood. But when you look at that, it's more about how the feel you're looking for as well as the sound. If you're very accustomed to the the carpet, which you are, and you go to a hardwood or you go to a laminate floor, your sound level will increase in the house. You're not going to have that soft, cushy feel that some people like. Some folks don't like the hard surface, whether it's a ceramic tile or the wood. And But you will find, uh, I think most people would agree, that it's easier to clean than carpet. And especially if you keep pets around, it's far easier to clean than carpet would be. So I think you have really a tough decision as far as just the feel and what you're looking for. Nobody can decide that but you and your household. But when it comes to cost now, carpet, if you're looking at strictly the dollars, carpet will typically cost you a good deal less to install than a hardwood floor or a laminate floor, although the price continues to drop in both with both of those categories. But carpet typically will cost you less. Now, if you're going to replace the carpet, as old as it is, you need to plan on putting new pad behind it as well. You may not see it, but in 20 years, that pad's pretty well worn out. 
Oh, I'm sure it's pretty funky. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Cal- plus the car- carpet, I mean, the floor is squeaky in certain areas where I guess we walk more than others. Okay. Well, so this I is guess- this is a chance so for you to clean up some of those squeaks and creaks in your underlayment in the plywood that might be underneath that. So whatever you do, if you pull the carpet up, pull the pad up, if that's what you want to go back with, be sure that those areas are addressed either by the installer or bring a carpenter in to deal with that sub. Uh, structure that sub finish before you put anything on top of it. Right, because we don't have any insulation underneath the flooring because we heat um, from the basement with the wood stove. Okay. So I didn't know if that would factor into what we put up here, like if the wood would dry out too much. Well, the wood's going to dry out to a level anyway, and whether it's heated from the top or it's heated from below. Now, if you put a laminate floor down, many of these floors are floating floors, and they sit over the top of a foam, a quarter-inch foam pad which serves as a moisture barrier and to some extent a little bit of an insulating barrier, that can hinder your heating operation if you're using just radiant heat from the basement. And is that what you're doing, or do you have a ducted system pulling the air out of the basement? Oh, no, we have central heat and air as well. Okay. But, I mean, the, the wood stove is the main thing in the winter because it's so much warmer than... Well, what you will find is, is certainly more movement. If you put hardwood floor down, laminate doesn't move as much. That's a good thing about a laminate floor. It will expand and contract, but it's not as susceptible to moisture as the natural hardwood. So in the summertime, spring, summer, if you're opening windows a lot and you're allowing moisture, humidity to come into the house, that wood's going to swell up. It's going to soak in that moisture, and it will expand some. And what you'll see in the winter when you turn the heat on, you've got all the windows closed, and you've lowered that humidity level that it's going to shrink. And you probably see a little bit of that in your furniture where the joints are a little looser. That's just typical. That's what happens when humidity changes in wood products. And so those are some things that everybody anticipates, or maybe not anticipates, but they will experience. So if you're prepared for that, it's not a big deal. I think for you, when you look at this, though, to me it's going to be one about your comfort level, how you feel about using a carpet versus a hardwood, and also the price side of it. Now, I do want to talk a moment about the hardwood versus laminate because you put those in your mind in two different categories, and they are different products. The laminate's just what it sounds like. It's In many cases, it's, it's a, a laminate like you might have on an office desktop or a countertop right. in kitchens. Right. And, again, it's it's an engineered product, so it does not respond as much to moisture. Now, the surface is very, very hard. It's not as thin as what we would have on our desktop. It's a thicker laminate material, and it is less vulnerable to damage compared to hardwood. You come in with small aggregate stones in the wintertime on your shoes, and you may scuff the surface of hardwood. You're not going to scuff the surface of laminate. So it's much more forgiving. But the hardwood offers some beauty and some warmth, a lot of people would say, that others just don't. And a lot of people don't like the sound of the laminate. It will give you a little bit of a hollow sound. Have you walked across any of it? Yes, my mother-in-law has it in her house. Okay, especially for ladies in heels or, or gentlemen wearing you know, hard-soled shoes, you get kind of a hollow ring to it that you don't with the hardwood. So these are some pluses and minuses. I'm, I'm going to be the last one to tell you what to put down, but I think you have to make some decisions. And if I were doing this and toying between the three, I would put this down, sit down on a spreadsheet or a piece of notepaper or something and put the pluses and minuses down, and I would add the cost to those as well and see how it fits in my big picture when it's all said and done. One last item is to think about how long you intend to stay in the home because a hardwood floor is going to be a bigger investment than the carpet. If you're going to sell the home in three to five years, maybe you want to put carpet down. 
Oh, no, when we built, we were supposed to be out in five. Ah, okay. Because we're in the woods, and I'm from the city, and my husband didn't think I would like it. Well, so. I'm going to tell you, you made it 20 years. You've done real well for a city girl. Yeah, right. Um, but it's but. not that big a space, so that's why I was thinking more along the hardwood. And, I, you know, I watched the lumber liquidator commercials, and it seems really reasonably priced to me. But my concern was the wood stove in the basement drying up the wood. Like, I have to totally oil down the the antique wooden stuff we have up here right, on a regular basis, and I don't want to have to maintain that floor. Well, you, you clearly you will have more maintenance in a hardwood floor with the heat from the basement than you will with a carpet. There, there's no question about that. But is it is it detrimental? Is it to the point that you're going to waste your investment? No, you're not. But you will have more maintenance in it. There's no question. Okay. That probably helped you right there, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can tell there's that hesitation on your part. Right. I'm, I'm really tired of oiling everything down. Well, do a little shopping, though. Whatever you do, put your wish list down and compare all those, because whether you're looking at lumber liquidators, local stores, uh, carpet, hardwood, whatever, the prices of hardwood and laminates continue to come down, but also factor in your install price. Don't forget about that. If you're doing it yourself, that's one thing, but if you've oh, got hi- you to hire the pros to do it, you want to factor that into your price. All right. Thank you so much. We appreciate your call. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. Appreciate it. And don't forget, you can always reach Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. And it is amazing uh, the number of different flooring options, uh, probably along with fences and roofs, flooring among the most popular and um, most repetitive questions that we do get. Uh, it hits our website frequently. We deal with that. In fact, we've got some we're going to bring up uh, here in the, the next half hour that deal with flooring as well, just to show you how many we get. But when you think about it, that's one of the items that wears the fastest in our homes. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. Have a question for Ken? Give him a call at 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. This is Ken the Contractor. Along with Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, I'm Chabrit. Thanks for joining us this weekend. Remember, if you have a question for Ken, you can always reach him at 800-614-2975. A question about your home inside or out. And you can email your questions to the website, kenthecontractor.com. One of the things that we spend a great deal of time talking about in this program are the different elements of universal living, the different ways in which people are adapting to the situations and surroundings they find themselves in. And Ken, you're going to talk about one that's becoming more and more important for folks, and that is the use of ramps and that they're not all that difficult to install. Well, it's not just how important they're becoming to us, but it's how important they're becoming to the construction industry. And I think that's what's key is I keep telling you that the industry, the designers, the manufacturers really do respond to what we, the consumers, are saying we need. Typically in and around our homes, we're constructing decks and ramps out of pressure-treated material. They become a semi-permanent item. They can be cumbersome. Maybe they're not as attractive as you'd like to have. They're not as functional in some cases. You're saying, when I sell the house, I can't take it with me, and I put several thousand dollars in there. But the industry is recognizing that not only because of a growing senior population, but also look at the many military personnel that we have returning that's injured from war. We have people that are injured in accidents. We have an obesity issue, frankly, folks, across this country. And that is a real problem. We look at mobility and home accessibility. And the industry is responding, trying to help all of us. Now, Lowe's, and I just singled them out as one company. There are many companies that are doing this. But Lowe's recently has designed what they claim is a, and I've seen this, is a very unique access ramp solution that takes a look at something that is custom built, but yet it is ready built. And you're saying, well, how can that be? 
And what they're doing is they've got a new ramp that allows professionals and do-it-yourselfers to install the system in less time than a custom wood ramp and within virtually any budget because we're looking at sizes, we're looking at lengths. It's a very flexible system, and it gives it a configurable shape that works with your home, with your landscaping, with your sidewalks, your drive, and your layout. It's called a Lowe's Gatehouse Custom Access Ramp System. As I said, it allows not just the pros, but those of you that do these things yourself to deal with and construct a modular ramp configured with either right or left or U-turns to fit the accessibility needs of the users and the style of the home that you have and the elevation that you you have, and that is the grade height above the ground on the exterior. Now, it's complete with the coordinating caps, the balusters, the post sleeves, uh, the rails that give the system not only a pleasing look but a custom look. And I think equally important to most of you is that the system allows you to remove this if you sell the home, you go into a larger, smaller home, you change communities, whatever, you haven't wasted this money. It allows you to move it, to relocate it, and to reuse it, and to reconfigure it if your new home requires some modifications. So this is one, just one area that the industry, that the manufacturers, that the retailers nationwide are paying attention to what our needs are to help make every home accessible and truly qualify for universal living. Uh, let's hit some emails from the website, canthecontractor.com, and let's start in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, with Ronald, who has an issue about some electrical wiring. Yeah, Ronald has an issue that I think uh, I'd be a little concerned with. I'm going to offer you a few pointers here. He says, sometimes the overhead light flickers in our bedroom. He said, I've pulled the fixture. I've changed the bulb. I see no obvious problems. There's no bad lamp or bulb in it, and the wiring seems okay. It's really just an occasional nuisance. Is there a possible safety issue? And he goes on to say, what else can I check myself before I start spending money on an electrician? Well, Ronald, the fact that you've pulled the light fixture down tells me that you have a, a comfort level dealing with electricity. I trust that you have turned the breaker off to be sure there's no power to it and checked that. But what I want to suggest to you, number one, is that you could have a safety issue. Anytime we have lights that work on an intermittent basis and you've changed the bulb or the lamp, as it's officially called in it, and you know you've got a good one in it and it still flickers or it comes off and on and you've got the switch up, folks, this could be a potential safety hazard. It could cause a fire. It could, you, could cause someone to cre have an electrical shock. I want you to pay attention to this. So the next thing, Ronald, I want you to check then will be other wiring connections. Occasionally, there are other connections in the box that a light fixture is mounted to, the electrical box. And your power, your line voltage, your hot feed may come from another location and have a wire nut on it in that box. I want you to check all of those and be sure that the wires are making connections and the wire nut is fastened tightly because that can be a source, an immediate source of your problem. Also, I want you to, if that's not it, I want you to remove and check the switch and the wires in the switch box. Frequently, we switches do go bad. I mean, they don't cost a lot of money. You can go for a dollar and a half and replace a standard toggle switch. But over time, they can go bad. And if this is a switch that's used frequently, it's a bedroom. If it's the master bedroom, it's being used daily, multiple times. It may be that it's just expired. It's reached its lifetime, and you need a new switch. But when you pull that switch out, you'll check initially the two wires. There'll be one on either side, either to a screw or they'll be popped in the back. Check and be sure those are tight. They could be just making contact. And so occasionally, especially when they heat up, the light goes off. So these are some things for you to check. Also, I want, if that doesn't solve your problem, in many older homes, this is not true of most newer ones, but in older homes, 
the line voltage, the feed may come off a wall outlet circuit going to the switch leg and overhead to the light. That may mean you have a loose wire in a wall outlet before it leaves that and comes to the switch leg. So this is another area to check for loose wiring. And the last thing I'm going to suggest that's user-friendly, easy for not only you to check, Ronald, but other people, if you're in a home with very old wiring, and I'm talking a home, let's say, that is pre-1960, you may find that the wiring has cracked, that the insulation on the outside is coming apart, the wires are actually frayed. That is a huge fire and safety hazard. You need to have the wiring replaced. If you get in the attic in your crawl space and you experience this, you see the outside coating just flaking off, you need to stop what you're doing right there. You need to contact an electrician, and you need to have a whole house inspection. So, Ronald, that's a lot for a short question, but there is a potential for safety hazard here. I'm always very cautious when we deal with these things, and I want you to check the items that I've given to you as long as you're comfortable. Beyond that, you probably need to bring that electrician in. Electricity, just one of those ones that I am very hesitant to fool with. I don't have anywhere near the skills, I'm sure, uh, that, that our emailer does. Uh, but it is the one that I see the professionals oftentimes very, you want to be very sure about it because even the professionals, I think, have a very healthy respect when they're working with electricity. Well, they do and they should. Again, this is a life safety issue. It's not the kind of thing where you got a little water leaking on the floor and you clean it up and it's no big deal. Electricity is not very forgiving. And if you don't know how to deal with it safely and you're just not comfortable with it, then don't because you can end up with electrical burns with a severe electrical shock. Folks, it kills people. So, I mean, that's the extreme. And the higher the voltage you get into 220 volts on your air conditioning and other appliances around the house, that is not forgiving at all. You, you may get a zap out of a 110, but you're likely to be killed with a 220 or more. And if you do have questions about electrical issues, roofing, basement, windows, plumbing, accessible living, heating, masonry, you can find it all at one place on the web. You can go to Ken's website, which is KenTheContractor.com, and you'll find right on the front page of our website, it's labeled Ken's Toolbox, Popular Topics. Now, these are some of the questions that we get asked most often on the program. Now, these are the things that people uh, email questions and call in questions for Ken about more than anything else. So you can find that information. And if you do have a, a related issue, you may find some very uh, easily accessible information right there at the website at KenTheContractor.com. Also, do, when you do go to our website, you can keep track of the apps and websites uh, that we talk about, and you will find answers to the email questions. Even if you don't hear us addressing your email on the air, Ken and also our mailbag editor, Aaron Yoder, do provide an answer to each and every one of the email questions that we do get, and you will find them posted on our website, which is KenTheContractor.com. If you have a question for Ken, you can reach us Always at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or email questions to KenTheContractor.com. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here weekends at this time to take your calls and also answer your emails dealing with the issues that are important to today's homeowner. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975 or email your questions to KenTheContractor.com. want to highlight our website of the week right now. And Ken, you found one that's very interesting for folks and uh, who isn't always trying to fix some type of appliance. We're trying to get more, we're trying to get more use out 
lot of our appliances before we do have to uh, fix them to some degree. And you have found a place where we're going to challenge people. You can almost, we can't say 100%, but there's a pretty good chance that if you're looking for a part for an appliance, no matter how old it is, you may be able to find it through this website. And how many times have we spent an entire day running from hardware store to hardware store to find, or maybe an appliance store, to find that fitting, that shelf, that little door for the refrigerator, the gasket for the dishwasher, saying, that's all I need. It works just great. I need a $15 gasket, and this is good for another five years. Folks, jot this down. Everyappliancepart.com. That's everyappliancepart.com. And if you can't write it down now, go to my website. You know that, kenthecontractor.com. It'll be there under links. But everyappliancepart.com handles just about every brand I've ever seen in my lifetime, I will tell you. Whether you're dealing with Admiral, Hot Point, Frigidaire, Maytag, Roper, Tappan, Whirlpool, I've got a list here I don't have time to go through. Even some brands that many of you have never heard of, they've got parts for these. And it's not just for refrigerators. If it's an appliance in your home, it can be a dishwasher, a trash compactor, a microwave. They've got the parts for it. This is one of the most useful locations I have found for the things that are a nuisance for us, where we can get on the web, order what we need, talk to a live person if you really have a question about it as well before you place the order and have it come to the door. You hear me speak frequently about little things that can be big dollars, just like those gaskets around our refrigerators as they age, they compress. Maybe they're torn. Maybe there's an issue. Your refrigerator is running longer, running that energy cost up, and you're refrigerating the house, not the inside. You need to replace a gasket, but you're saying, I can't find one of these, and there's nobody in town that wants to fiddle with it. I want you to check this out, everyappliancepart.com. See if they can't help you with some of those home appliance maintenance issues. Yeah, we had one recently with our dryer, and I'm not even going to attempt to tell you what the technical name of it was, but it allows you to close the door so you can operate the dryer, the little hook thingy and that thingy. It's just a catch for the... For the door, probably. Twelve bucks, and my wife was able to install it on her own, saved a service call, and the dryer works perfectly. And I think most of us do this. I've replaced belts on washing machines. Most people have done other things. You've got an element that burns out on your electric dryer. For most of us, if you have any mechanical skills, as long as you disconnect the water and the electric, it's real easy to do, especially little things like gaskets on a dishwasher that may be leaking. Or maybe you broke that little glass door that hides the butter in the refrigerator, or you've got one of those roll-out crisper drawers you broke and you can't find it. Check these folks out. Everyappliancepart.com. Over 5 million parts in stock. you find it all right there on the web. And again, if you want more, go to our website, KenTheContractor.com. Let's go back to the emails right now. Richard from Reading, Pennsylvania, has an issue that we're hearing more and more about, Ken, and that is black streaks on a roof. Yeah, we are. Richard says that the staining or streaks that, uh, first he says he's got a house, I should tell you this, that's six years old. And he thought when he built it, he put some high-quality 40-year architectural shingles on it. They're composite shingles. So they're not very old, and they are a fairly thick shingle having a 40-year warranty behind those. And I wanted to lay this groundwork. He's got a lengthy question. I'm going to hit the highlights here. But he says, in the last year, I've been noticing two dark streaks developing on the roof. The shingles are normally pretty dark, but this is like a black streak in two areas. And I'm suspecting that it's roof mold of some type because it's the north-facing slope of the house, and it doesn't get an awful lot of sunlight. He has heard me talk about products that he can spray on that may get rid of this. He's got about 30 feet to go to the top. And I do have to read this on your behalf here, Richard, for our listening audience and for your wife and your family. He says, uh, he goes on and says, I really do not like to climb 30 feet in the air. 
and to apply this product. He said, I'd rather not have my wife explain to the relatives why I was severely injured or died by falling off the roof. Uh, Richard, I'm right there with you. So for any of you in this situation with Richard, you don't want to be climbing up on the roof, whether it's 12 feet off the ground or 30 feet off the ground. You want to hire a handy person or somebody that's licensed and insured to do these things for you. But the product that you've heard me talk about may be a couple of items. One is a product called Wet and Forget, and it is designed to use on roofs. Jim and I talk about it frequently on this show and other programs. You spray it on, it will gradually kill the mold, the mildew. It will dissipate over time. You don't have to rinse it off. You don't have to scrub it. Just the natural elements between the sunlight and the rain gradually allows it to kill the fungus and to wash it off, and it will restore the luster of your roof, and it will look fairly new again. Now, another product I talk about occasionally that I have used in the past is just a a mixture of water and oxygen bleach. Now, oxygen bleach is different from your standard chlorine bleach that you buy in a bottle, but you can use a solution of that that can be sprayed on, and it will do the same thing without having to scrub this. What I don't recommend, Richard, for you or anybody else, and some people like to do this, but I don't recommend it, and that's to get on the roof anybody with the pressure washer, it will get rid of the streaks, but it also damages the shingles. Even if you can't see it, even if you're not like Jim putting the mark of Zorro in things, it will still loosen and cause the granules on that shingle to dissipate pretty rapidly. So you're going to shorten the life cycle of these shingles. Then in 20 years, when you call the company on your 40-year roof and say, I've got a problem, they're going to be able to identify it and say, sorry, Charlie, no warranty here. So don't get up on that roof with a power washer. Use some of these products that will take care of it. And by all means, I don't want you having your wife to explain what happened to you, why you broke your hip or your leg on the roof. So definitely hire a pro to come out and do it. Pay just a few bucks, save your health and your your household welfare, and save a few dollars in the long run. Thanks for sending that in, and good luck to you, Richard. Again, these are emails from my website, KenTheContractor.com. Got time for one more quick one? I think we can sneak this one in. comes to us from Melvin in Roanoke, Virginia. said, I have an addition underway to my home, and it includes a basement. The present house does not have one. My contractor tells me he only needs to apply a coating of tar over the basement block for waterproofing. Now, I've spoken with friends who think something more is needed for long-term performance. Are they right, or is the tar just fine? Well, Melvin, I'm going to side with your friends and neighbors as a contractor. Tar meets the intent of the building code. It is a waterproofing agent. But you've also told me in this email that you have a block foundation. And if it were solid concrete, I would be maybe not as reluctant, although I've never used tar myself. I always use a more sophisticated uh, and more solid waterproofing agent. For anybody that's got a block foundation, I'm going to suggest to you that you investigate using a spray-on coating. There are different brands. One is called Rubber Wall, and R-U-B-R-W-W-A-L-L. It's a national product, and it, when it's sprayed on, it sets up like a solid sheet of rubber. What it does is allow block work, and it will expand and contract. You may get hairline cracks, not because the builder did it wrong, but because that's what happens with concrete sometimes. You may get cracks in the mortar joints. You may get cracks even in the solid wall where some of the ties or forms were put together. When you use a product like rubber wall, it expands and contracts with that wall. It doesn't tear. It's like an inner tube, if any of you have ever played with that uh, an inner tube and see how it stretches and expands and contracts so that water cannot get into the cracks in the wall. So for my money... Even in my own projects, my own development, I've invested in rubber wall and similar products and have never put tar on. And that's my recommendation to you, Melvin. It's going to cost you a few more dollars, but you won't have to worry about water issues coming through any cracks that develop over time. 
Tarja sounds like something Andy Griffith and Goober would use. Well, you know, it worked for many years and long before these other items were there. But you're right, it does. It's kind of, a, I think, a makeshift by today's standards. You've been listening to Ken the Contractor, where folks come for professional answers. If you have a question about your home inside or out, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975 or online at KenTheContractor.com. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson is here taking your calls. Don't forget, you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. And if you're looking for home improvement information at any time, go to KenTheContractor.com.